Welcome to the AFL Europe podcast and for another episode of Irish Down Under. Today, we're excited to be joined by Breed Stack from the Greater Western Sydney Giants. Breed has been on quite the roller coaster since arriving in Australia, from being in quarantine to travelling interstate with the team to live in a number of hubs and then unfortunately sustaining an injury that ruled her out for her debut AFL women's season. Nevertheless, the ultimate professional that is Breed Stack persisted through a rehab and recovery, getting back into non-contact training and even moving into a mentor role for the younger players at the club. Hear from Breed as she chats to Jim and Mike about her time down under and how she thrived in the AFLW environment. Plus, Breed reviews the individual seasons for the Irish women who took part this year and helps us share our top 10 Irish highlights from the season. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the AFL Europe podcast and another segment of the Irish Down Under series. This week to discuss her first season involved in the AFLW is uh, Breed Stack from the GWS Giants. Breed, thank you so much for your time and, and welcome to the podcast. No bother, Jim. Thanks for having me on. When you look back, it's uh, the season's flown by for us. How does it feel for you looking back? The season's done. Yeah, I, I, I can't get over how quickly the season moves here from the start of the first game. Once it, once it starts, it just is rapid fire and you know to think that the nine weeks just are gone by and that a grand final is already done and dusted and and there's new AFL champions it's it's been a wonderful wonderful season but my god it moves very fast compared to I suppose our GA season at home uh so I think next year is it up to 10 games I think next year um so you know incrementally um it, the season will the season will surely get longer and I, I suppose there's there's plenty of people here that would love to see it get longer too Breed, obviously we've loads to talk about from the season just passed in relation to yourself, but just for the people watching, um, at this stage of the year, I suppose, what does it look like? The season's over, there's exit interviews happening at the clubs. Where is it at in terms of how that procedure works? Are all the formal activities done and dusted now? Are you still in and out of the clubs? How does it look at the end of the season so, so people get an idea of how it all finishes for the individual players? Uh, yeah, so I, I couldn't get over how quickly it actually all turns around. Um, so once kind of game nine was done for us, uh, you know, unfortunately it didn't make finals. So it meant that that was the end of the season. Um, so, you know, within the, you know, a couple of days of it. So the match was played on uh, Sunday and by Tuesday um, I had had my meeting with Alan, um, the head coach. I had had my um, exit meeting with the physios and uh, on the on the Thursday, I had my exit meeting with the doctor. So by Thursday, it was, you know, everything signed and sealed and um, everyone kind of marked off and, and uh, you know, everyone saying goodbye to each other until kind of the, the whole gang met up again uh, at the weekend, which was great. We had kind of a football trip away um, up the coast, which was... Um, yeah, it was hairy enough at times, but it was mighty crack. And uh, sure, it was lovely just to meet up with everyone again because you get a bit of withdrawal, I think, when you're in such close quarters with, with people for, for such a long period of time. So um, I suppose taking into account, we were in a hub as well beforehand. So we were living in each other's pockets in the hub. Um, we were two weeks in Aubrey. We were a week in Adelaide. Uh, we were due to be two weeks in Adelaide, but we came back to Sydney a bit early. And uh then, you know, you're straight into a season where you're seeing people, you know, five, six, seven times a week, which is just brilliant um, for, for team bonding and team morale. And then for it to just, you know, stop all of a sudden, it's it's really, really surreal. But, um, you know, thankfully, I have a super support network around here. I'm living very close to Cora and she lives with uh, two of the girls on the team, Tanya and, and Parker. So um, I see them constantly and uh, we constantly 
you know, meet up in the club and we're still allowed into the club and, and to do our gym sessions and our running sessions and stuff if, if we feel up to it and if we feel we want to do it. Um, and I actually met with the strength and conditioning fella today. So it was great to meet up with him and he's kind of set me a program now for the next couple of weeks just to make sure that everything is um, fully rehabbed and I'm fully strong going home um, so that I'm in a position to, to I suppose, take up um, with the club when I go home. But um, yeah, it's 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 unreal. But um, the head coach has been absolutely unbelievable, Alan McConnell, and he's checked in with me a couple of times. And you know, we go for kicking sessions, um, you know, two or three times a week, which is brilliant. And um, I've actually started going out now with Cora and Parker and Tanya, um, out to the East Coast Eagles. So they're a, a club team here in Sydney. Um, so just doing a little bit of um, of training with them. Uh, not allowed fully back to non-contact yet. Uh, the surgeon is still uh, just holding holding on to me um, by the the by the fingernails. Um, so um, just going out training with them um, twice a week and just really enjoying the whole experience. But um, yeah, just trying to soak up as much of it as I can before we head home. Reid, obviously, for anyone that's been a fan of AFLW, you will know that you're involved in that incident in the preseason game that effectively ruled you out of the season with that that neck injury. How's it all going, and 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 when do you feel like you'll be back to to be able to, if the season was still going, when do you think you know you'd be able to get back to that full activity? Yeah, uh, well, I suppose I I feel. Uh, perfect at the moment I feel great um the issue was that the season was so short so I was pushing the surgeon um to go for an earlier scan so because I had I pushed for an earlier scan to I suppose get myself in contention of being able to play the last uh, two rounds and um, because I pushed with that scan and unfortunately it showed up that um you know the break wasn't fully healed um it meant that i had uh three scans kind of very very um close together so in close succession so because of that he has made me wait and uh, maybe six weeks uh longer than i should have for my rescan um so like while i feel absolutely perfect now and i could i could definitely go play play a game now i can't get signed off until he sees um you know that scan so um that's on the 6th of may um, so looking forward to that date and looking forward to getting the all clear. But um, feeling great, and you know, I I did a, an awful amount of rehab. Um, so you know, still feeling very fit and healthy, which is great. And um, just I suppose enjoying the experience now for for what it is. Really, just to just to take you back, I suppose. Um, obviously, it's been a roller coaster season, as you've said, with with the preseason delays, COVID lockdowns, flights, quarantine, that whole that whole. Um, issue there and we did a lot of work here in Ireland before you headed over of course and you did as much prep as you could you hit the ground when you eventually got out of quarantine and everything you hit the oval you got stuck into it no doubt um, or soaking up everything you could for that to happen then and in that pre-season game must have had a huge impact obviously on on your plans but we saw your um, diary in the Irish Examiner here across the last three months and it's been an entirely greed in fairness um, did that help you in some way to be able to to put it all down on paper as to how you were feeling and how you were dealing with the whole situation? Um, yeah, and as you said, Mike, I I have to first of all thank you for the amount of time and effort that you that you gave me and um, before we and um, before uh, you know myself, Cork and Cork Oak headed over. Um, I suppose I was meeting up with you twice a week, and you know the amount of time and effort um you gave me um was just. I could never thank you enough and I really feel that I was coming over with a good skill set um you know which was important um 
I could look after the fitness side of things. I could look after the strength side of things, but I definitely needed a lot of coaching and a lot of help. And, um, and you know, you were just instrumental in that and I'm forever indebted to you for that. Um, so when I did um, come over and we finally did get out of uh, quarantine, we were gymming and training um, throughout the whole quarantine. The strength conditioning um, coach sent us on stuff. So we did everything to the letter of the law. And, you know, I was constantly over and back to Cora and she was in the room like two doors down for me, but uh, weren't able to meet up, but um, constantly onto each other and kind of giving each other support. And um, when we got out then um, for, I suppose, the, the plans to be kind of scuppered, we went to Melbourne and I actually did two sessions with the girls in Melbourne um, because there was a reported case, uh, maybe uh, it was very low numbers, it might have been maybe two or three cases in Sydney. Um, so we were advised by the club to stay in Melbourne uh, we met up with a few of the girls that were Melbourne based and we had you know two sessions and I was just absolutely loving it like loved meeting up with a couple of the girls got to know them in kind of a smaller space which was lovely before kind of the whole team experience um, and then you know before we knew it we were being um, diverted to Aubrey um, and I met the whole team which is unreal so I had you know two and a half weeks of unbelievable training with the girls um, you know, really hit the ground running. Um, it's gas. Uh, they're very, very um, controlled in terms of the strength conditioning, um, in terms of kind of uh, slowly releasing you back to to kind of full throttle. And I'm sure a lot of the girls probably touched on that when they got out of quarantine. It's very much like managing load. So I was itching for road and, uh, you know, I was bursting myself and all the you know, I kept getting a tap on the shoulder going, pull out now or take it handy now. And, you know, all I wanted to do was just hit the ground running and learn as much as I could. And, um, you know, the backs coach, um, Darren Ratton, was brilliant and took me for loads of extra sessions to do, you know, things like learning how to bump, how to tackle, all this type of, uh, of stuff. And, you know, I just was soaking everything up like sponge. I felt like I was, you know, 11 years old again, like just taking it all in and um, just enjoyed it so much. And, um, and then we were um, due to go to Adelaide to play um, Adelaide in our uh, test match. So uh, unfortunately, the series of events that led to the Adelaide game meant that, um, you know, preparation wasn't what it what it should have been. Um, there was a, a lot of uncertainty kind of uh, the two days before we got to Adelaide. And then unfortunately, we had a missed flight. We had a delayed flight. And, uh, you know, we landed in Adelaide really late the night before. Um, and then, you know, to wake up in the morning, and, you know, there was a couple more preparations that were out of our control and uh, just kind of upscuppered us a small little bit. So, um, you know, when we got to the field, I made sure I was fully tuned in and, you know, absolutely really thriving off the energy that I was getting from the girls. And uh, look, the match went the way it was. Um, I suppose I made sure that I started with a good intensity and uh, I felt I, I was doing that. Um, you know, and I wasn't standing off or standing back off anything and uh, just trying to, um, I suppose, use the skills that you had taught me as best I could. And um, yeah, I, I was playing well, so I was absolutely delighted with, with how it was going. And then look, um, probably I wasn't supposed to play the last quarter, but um, I was going well enough. So they, they decided to play me and um, kind of my undoing came then in the last minute. But uh, look, it was a very unfortunate incident. Um, I suppose, yeah, I was absolutely devastated that it was, um, you know, that my season had kind of finished before I had even gotten a chance to kind of start. Um, and I couldn't, could not thank a group of girls that I had only known two and a half weeks for what they did for me, um, you know, over the next uh, 12 weeks. It was just unbelievable. And they're just phenomenal people. And it's an unbelievable club to be part of. And I'm so proud to be part of the Giants Club. And um, yeah, um, I, I got a phone call from Tony Lean and he asked me, 
Um, I suppose after the whole tribunal thing, if there, if I was interested in kind of putting pen to paper about it, and uh, I suppose yeah, I was a bit, I was a bit upset after after the whole tribunal thing. So I kind of said, look, this is my chance, and um, I kind of got got a lot of what I wanted to say out, and um, ran it by the Giants media as well because they've been so wonderful, and I just wanted to make sure that I, I wasn't doing them a disservice. And um, look, it kind of then took a bit of traction. Tony asked me would I do a series of them, and um, yeah, actually, do you know at the start when I when when he first asked me, it was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, I wanted to get the, I suppose after the tribunal, I wanted to get my point across, and that was grand, and I had kind of you know drawn a line at then. Um, but as the weeks went on, I'm actually delighted now that I that I wrote um down kind of you know the process because it'll be lovely to look back on and to remember kind of I suppose um. I suppose the, the the resilience that I shown and, and that I was what I got through and um I suppose the experience of it all like you know life is full of good and bad experiences and it's important to go through the bad ones and come out the other side and and take them for what they were and um I've learned so much about myself over the course of the last couple of weeks and um you know I'm just I'm thankful for the whole experience to be honest so um yeah it has been it's been a, it's been an experience all right when you after the injury, what did you? How did you sort of refocus to make sure you got the most out of the year, as as what you possibly could? I guess obviously you probably, you know, it was a long shot to play for at, at any point throughout the year. So what did you try and focus on? Who did you try and stick yourself to to learn as much as you can? So maybe next yeah. year or the year after you can you can have another go at it. Uh, yeah, and I suppose maybe naively, I uh, didn't think my season was over. So um, I have never been badly injured before. So I wouldn't have any idea really of timelines and things like that. And in my head, you know, if you had a broken bone, it was six weeks. Like that was the way I was, um, which is probably very um, silly, you know, looking back at it now. But um, um, I surrounded myself with phenomenal people. And even, you know, my husband, Karak, um he's had a couple of of serious injuries so you know having him kind of guide me and um you know keep uh, keep my mindset strong and keep kind of um reminding me of just little steps every day and um you know i suppose um just the importance of setting myself little goals um weekly goals bi-weekly goals monthly goals and um i think by doing that um that definitely kind of gave me a motivation every single week um i still had it in my head that i wanted to return and that i wanted to get back and i was i kept pitching for kind of round eight round nine um and look it didn't happen but um you know as i said i had wonderful people around me and you know no more so than than coruscant and and i suppose her you know serious injury was documented very well um you know two years ago when it happened and you know people ruled her out that she'd never ever come back to play and um so she just showed me um you know through we had plenty of chats anyway over the first couple of days um when yeah it was very very challenging first couple of days and you know she was sitting beside me just um talking me through kind of everything that happened when she got her injury and um like I said, having people like that who have gone through kind of um, serious injury and, you know, have come back and uh, you, you, just, you see the importance of her mindset and, um, yeah, it was definitely all about mindset, I suppose, once the injury happened and once kind of the recovery started, it was all down to mindset then after that. We were actually chatting to Cora a couple of weeks ago, Breed, and obviously one of the things she mentioned, we discussed both your serious injuries and the rehab from that and she kind of jokingly touched on that all the Aussies and all the people at the club think the Irish are a bit mad at, at how you guys attack rehab and just get stuck into it and are so driven and focused and all that and, and, and that's a great trait to have 
Um, and obviously, we've heard last week that you've been offered another contract for next season, and, and I know you're going to have to take some time to think about that or whatever. But obviously, that's again a huge reflection of um, the value the club having you and your contribution to the season, albeit not uh, getting to play the games you wanted to play. So you did ha have a huge impact uh, at the club for the year, and obviously it was great having Corey there, and to have girls of your experience and leadership quality there, it, it must be great for the other players around you. Uh, yeah, it was, and uh, I suppose what was probably driving me the most is that, um, you know, I had still so much to prove to these girls on the field. Uh, they'd only seen me for, you know, one game, um, you know, just shy of a full of a full game. So, um, you know, while they did see that I brought a huge intensity um, and probably a lot of drive to that game, uh, you know, that was just one game. And I wanted to prove to them, you know, that I was so committed um, to the club and I wanted what was best for the club on and off the field. So I suppose, yeah, I, I made... Um, I made it a point that I was um, meticulous in what I was doing on and off the field. Um, I suppose, yeah, I, I trained extremely hard during the rehab and, um, you know, they, they commented on it and they, um, I suppose, yeah, they, they encouraged me all the way and they couldn't believe it um, when I was back, um, you know, I suppose week eight training. Uh, they just couldn't believe that I was out um, on the field with everyone, um, albeit wearing a red cap. So the red cap signifies that I was a, a non-contact player, but they just couldn't believe that I was out and I was in a position, um, you know, only maybe seven weeks previous that, I, you know, I, I wasn't kind of able to move my neck. Um, so, yeah, I suppose they saw that and, and um, yeah, and and Alan, um, he definitely commented on on my mindset and my drive and um, that other people seem to feed off it in the club, which was, which was lovely to hear. And um, I suppose, you know, when we did get the news kind of week six, well, no, it was actually probably week. Yeah, it was start of week seven um, that I wasn't going to be um, in contention. You know, uh, he saw leadership that was the younger players and he kind of put me kind of in a, a mentor role with a lot of the younger players, which um, I absolutely loved. I love being around people. I love being around young people, especially. And um, yeah, I, I had absolutely great fun. So um, there was plenty of organizing of extra kind of touch sessions and everything in the cage and, you know, made sure I was there early and made sure I was at absolutely everything and encouraging everyone as best I could. And, um, you know, towards the, the last couple of weeks, I, I don't know where the physio is going mental, but, um, you know, I was just getting the ball and, and kicking the ball into the girls and stuff like that. Like, so, um, I just, I loved it. Um, I loved being involved in the environment. Um, I just, I really did thrive in it and I, I would love to have seen, you know, um, how the year would have gone if I wasn't injured. So, um, like you said, look, there's, there's plenty to, to take, um, I suppose, plenty to think about. Um, Alan was, you know, very forthcoming in, in saying he was interested in me again next year, which was, I suppose, beyond my wildest dreams because I, I thought, you know, that, that that was it. My my uh, my chance was was scuppered. But um I suppose on the other side, um I'm not a 22 year old and I, I don't I'm not like footloose and fancy free and I have a lot of people to consider and uh, I have a business to consider at home as well and um, a family to consider. So um yeah, look, there'll be a few hard conversations, no doubt, when we get back to Cork. Um, but for now, I'm just really enjoying the experience and learning as much as I can from him. First off, Bryn, congratulations on getting another offer. It's a fantastic achievement and, and good luck with the decision on whatever happens next. But I was just going to ask, what's the sort of plan for the next sort of 
month or two, you said you're training with the, the local Sydney side. Do you think you might get a game snuck in with them or are you focusing <laughs> on getting home pretty quickly? What's the, what's the plans yeah. for the next few weeks? <laughs> I'd say no. I'd say there'll be no games. No, um, but um, yeah, we'll definitely we joined in all the trainings and um, training with Alan, which I absolutely love. And I got on to TR as well, the strength conditioning coach. So I met him tonight, and he set me a, a brilliant program now for the next uh, six weeks. Um, so the the plan is where our lease is up here in the house in Sydney, um, kind of around the tenth of May. <clears throat> so our plan is, I suppose, to do a small bit of traveling while we can for maybe two or three weeks. And uh, the club have kind of sent us on a, a couple of flight options for um, the end of May, start of June. So I suppose start of June um, is when we're looking to head home. And look, hopefully there won't be too many issues with flights. I know the flights might be there now and, and uh, hopefully they won't get pulled, you know, but um, that would be the that would be the plan to head home in June. And uh, we've plenty of family to see. And there's a small boy who's grown up a lot over here. So there'll be a lot of grandparents and a lot of family that are mad to see him. So we'll have to go home. <laughs> we'll have to go home at the start of June. And um, yeah, just enjoying it now for the next couple of weeks. Breed, obviously, just back to the football side of it. I'm sure you watched the grand final. Um, we had Eilish and Orla at our kicking sessions down here in UL before yeah. you headed over. Both brilliant girls, brilliant athletes. Uh, what did you think of the grand final? And I suppose in general, how the Irish girls did across the whole season? Yeah, so we were, um, as I said, you know, we had our football trip away this weekend. So we were all watching it together, which was lovely. Um, and uh, I suppose it was just brilliant to see Ireland so well represented with the two girls. And, uh, you know, like Orla, I suppose, you know, watching her this season, she's been a revelation and she's just improved. Like, I, I suppose I was watching a lot of her games last year, but my God, she has just become a force to be reckoned with this year for Brisbane and an integral part of, of, their, of their team. And, I was delighted to see her do so so well, um, and for her to to win uh, a grand final is just, I suppose, the thing of dreams. And to be doing it, I suppose, in Adelaide Oval, which is a phenomenal ground, is just it's just absolutely unbelievable for her and for her family. And um, you know, it was lovely to hear her mom speak so nicely of her as well, um, beforehand. So you know, I'm sure there's um, Tipperary and her family and her community are very very proud of her, um, having excelled in three different codes now, which is just. Um, you know, absolutely outstanding stuff. Um, and then I suppose it's it's very important to mention uh, Ailish, who's you know the only Irish player that's uh, actually played in two grand finals. Um, you know, and Ailish is probably my my big kicking buddy when I was with you. Um, you know, before we came over, and Ailish is just the kindest person. Um, you know, she you know even when we were doing a lot of the kicking sessions, a lot of it might have been basic for me. But, uh, you know, she she went out of her way as well, helping, um, you know, for me to get the basics where, you know, she had them down and she was just an unbelievable talent. And, you know, her kicking ability is just second to none. And um, I suppose, look, she had a, a tough couple of weeks, maybe, um, you know, when, once she got concussed, she actually got concussed in our game um, versus the Giants. And I suppose, unfortunately, then was kind of ruled out the next week. And, you know, Adelaide Crows are just an unbelievable team. And for, you know, to try to get back into the setup, for her to get back in, you know, in grand final day was just, that's just some feat. And um, I was absolutely delighted to see her name on the team sheet and sent her, sent her a message, sent both the girls' message. But, you know, I was particularly delighted for Ailish um, after a tough couple of weeks. And, um, you know, to see her out there and, and uh, as I said, in her second grand final is just, it's some feat for, for Ailish. And um, the grand final was just 
I, I thought it was outstanding. Like it was so exciting. Um, you know, it was ferocious. Um, I suppose I would have probably have tipped Adelaide Crows um, given, you know, what I'd seen of them during the year. Um, I, I Brisbane are an extremely balanced team, but you know, I I don't know, would would Adelaide Crows just tip it for me physicality wise, um, experience wise, strength wise. And my God, did Brisbane come to town? Like you know, they were just ferocious. They just set the set the the tempo from the from the very start and just cut out so many of Adelaide's key players. Um, you know, nullified them, nullified their um their influence on the game. And when you did that for you know uh, for the full four quarters, which they did, you know, they were so deserving of, of the win. So um, yeah, it was super grand final. Super to see it. What were your thoughts on some of the other girls' performances throughout the season, you know, scattered around the different clubs, you know, the girls in Melbourne and the, the girls over in Perth as well? Yeah, I suppose the first the first player that I got onto was Anya Tai because, uh, you know, she was, um, you know, I, I'd done a couple of sessions with Anya as well um, up in Limerick. So, you know, I was really willing her to have a, a super year because she's such a lovely person and she would have just been instrumental as, as a rock for, for Fremantle. Um, and we actually... She got injured the week before I got injured. So, you know, I was on tour uh, a good bit at the start. Um, so unfortunately for Anya, you know, she she wasn't content to play for, for Fremantle this year, but um she's a super talent. And uh, I know, you know, if if uh, Fremantle know how, how dedicated she is and how uh, determined she is to make sure that she fully recovers, you know, hopefully we'll see Anya back with Fremantle again next year. Um, and then looking at the the girls that were involved with with West Coast, you know, they like they were their standout players. Like it was just absolutely brilliant to see the girls and see them linking up as well, which is just so typically, um, I suppose, ladies football linking up with each other and just the supervision and, uh, you know, they really played to their strengths. Ashing was absolutely outstanding around the middle and, um, you know, just fell shy of being West Coast best and fairest on her very first year, which is absolutely outstanding. And, and Grace and Eve are real um, scoring threats up front. Um, and I suppose Neve being named as, as most courageous was, you know, just a testament, I suppose, to the Irish girls and what they're doing over there in West Coast. So I'd say we've we've a, a long um, a long couple of years watching those girls do well, I think, over in West Coast um, and to see Sarah and, and Ashton do so well in Collywood, like they were uh, again, outstanding. Again, watching them link up, you can tell that they were um, used to playing with each other again with DCU and down through the years um, and great friends. And, uh, you know, for Collingwood, I suppose, they had a super year. They built super momentum and uh, they really are a growing club. So great to see um, the two girls doing well. Um, and then I suppose I suppose my standout player for the year in the Irish um, was probably uh, Sinead Goldrick. Um, you know, I just absolutely love watching Sinead play. I love watching her play football and I think I nearly prefer watching her play AFL. She's just unbelievable. She's just like a terrier going after the ball. She's just unbelievable um like her she's ferocious she's just super tenacity and her skills and her um, awareness she brought so much experience i think to melbourne and you know is really um shown to be an integral part of, of their team so um again unfortunate to to get an injury um no doubt she was a huge loss to melbourne um as they entered um you know the final stages um but it was 
wonderful to see her play. And I think you could, you know, if you had a camera on her and, and show the amount of pressure that she was putting on teams, you know, um, she was she was really, really outstanding. Um, to see Lauren McGee then as well in her very first year, like Lauren, like I at least had two weeks of training. Poor old Lauren was straight out of, of quarantine and straight into, into, into the first uh, set of matches and trying to get into a team. And, you know, she got into the team fair play to her and she held on to her position. And, um, you know, like, uh, I suppose you'd, you'd love to see that she's that she's going to be um, a player to come for um, for Melbourne. So um, oh, it's just been it's just been brilliant watching everyone watching Ailish watching Orla. And as I said, look, I've said it numerous times. I love seeing the Irish do well. Um, I love that they're displaying their skills and showing how skillful that they are and how easily that they have transferred lost their skills. Um, it's wonderful to see and long may it continue. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's been a great season for the Irish players. Everyone has a fantastic story. You have a fantastic story yourself, even though the, the season didn't pan out as planned. But hopefully we'll see you back next year or soon and all the other Irish girls as well. And with Cora on a few weeks ago, she mentioned we were slagging her about her book. I think you have a book to be written already <laughs> after season one. Um, so we look forward to that maybe at some stage as well. But I uh, like you talk, fantastic. you talk, you you talk a core actually there, Mike, as well. Like I, I mentioned, I'd say I mentioned most of the girls. So I, I omitted Cora, you know. But, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't like deliberate Cora. for sure. She, she's yeah. got enough plaudits anyway. It certainly <laughs> but, um, Look, we're, we're going to do another little feature in a minute, but we're just to, to close off this section of the podcast, I suppose, Breed, thanks so much for taking the time. We could talk for another hour. It's enthralling to listen to you. It's been fantastic supporting you and uh, the lads across the season, uh, regardless of how it went, as I said. And we look forward to hopefully seeing you and all the other amazing Irish athletes back in action in AFLW next season as well. So thanks, Mel. Super. Thank you. With the AFLW season done and dusted, we thought we'd look back at some of the highlights from the AFLW Irish players and the 10 moments that really caught our eye throughout the course of the season. We called in the help of GWS and Brid Stack. Brid, thanks very much for helping us out. Mike, you've got the new ball. So start us off with... Uh, with the number 10 highlight, and we'll work our way down to number one. Well, Jim, of course, and look, at there's been such a season of highlights, I suppose, just before we start into it, it's fair to say there was a short list of well over 20, 25 highlights that we found no problem here. The Irish girls have been fantastic for all the teams all through the season. Some of the highlights that didn't make the cut, but are notable of a mention, are multiple involvements from Ash Mack, um, Aileen Gilroy's bounce, um, Ailish Constantine's set shot goal, um, Neve Kelly's sprint from 50 metres, Aileen Gilroy's sidestep, multiple involvements from Orlo Dwyer. We could go on all day, but we had to make some decisions on it. So starting it off at number 10, we have got Grace Kelly's goal in round seven against the Cats, uh, which involved the three Irish players together, Ash Mack centering the ball, um, Neve Kelly gathering, playing on to an advantage, passing to Grace and a great goal uh, for Grace. In that particular game, the Kellys combined for four goals and 30 touches. And that was the first win in a West Coast Eagles jersey for Ash McCarthy. Yeah, sensational effort from the girls there linking up through the uh, the top of the forward half of the ground there. I've got number nine and it is a the first from Cora Staunton. And this one, probably not catching the eye of too many people throughout the season, but this one is just outstanding. And it's a tackle against in round eight against Geelong. The biggest thing that catches your eye is the score and the time <clears> left of the game. And it's late in the game and her ability to run down that 50-odd metres and effect a perfect tackle 
if Geelong had gone in forward there and it might have been a very different result for the Giants. Brid, you might be able to touch on that. It was an outstanding individual effort to save what could have been a, a, a goal that really tightened up the game. Big time. And uh, I suppose the big thing for me is uh, I actually would, would nearly put that higher up the list because the tackle is alien to our game. So for her to you know, make that unbelievable run, know that it was do or die and she had to make that tackle. Um, and even like chatting to her afterwards, she was like, there was no way that she would have had the turn of pace to turn and actually, uh, you know, um, tackle the player the second time. So she said it was, she had one chance to do it and, you know, she didn't miss, my God, what a tackle. And, uh, you know, it, it was really melting pot stuff. So brilliant, brilliant for, from Cora. You got number eight and all the roads uh, makes her first entrance into the, into the top 10. Yeah, so, so Lydia Sena at number eight is uh, Orla Dwar's goal uh, in the preliminary final versus Collingwood. Uh, you know, this game was 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 a real game of the season. Um, you know, it was nip and tuck. It was up and down. It was so hotly contested. And um, I suppose it came at a really, really critical time of the game. And uh, Orla just took the ball on and got it on to her trusty left. And, you know, she, like it was just absolutely outstanding from Orla. Um, an integral player for the, for the Brisbane Lions and was very, very important um, in getting them to, to the grand final. Um, I think she scored two goals this season. And as I said, she's just such an integral player for them and so improved this year. So super by Orla. Absolutely, Breed. Orla has been sensational all year and her average disposals per game have jumped from eight in 2020 to 14 this season. So that's just a, a, a stat that shows how significant her improvement has been and how great that she's now got a premiership medal as well. Okay, we're on to number seven, and this one is Cora or Scora. Four goals, round four against the Eagles. Absolutely phenomenal. It had it all. Goal one included a switch onto her left foot. Goal two, she did a cheeky play on to advantage after a free for a push in the back, got her goal. Goal three, soccered off the ground uh, from a stoppage contest. And goal four for me was the, the best of, of the loss, save to last, a set shot. The commentator nails it. The run out to the right, the curl on the, on the kick and the finish, absolutely outstanding. Four, goal, four goals for the game. Uh, ten goals overall for the season for Cora. What a performance from her. I might throw to you on this, Brid. Uh, the commentators at the time were saying how much you would, she'd be loving it and, and, and spreading the word around the change rooms. How was it for the, <laughs> for the rest of the Giants girls after this, after this performance? Yeah, um, I suppose the funny thing is like the, the girls on the team give Cora an awful doing about not celebrating her goals. So like it's a big thing here that you everyone gets around you and everyone, you know, really gets in and celebrates their goals. Whereas <laughs> Cora just runs away from people and kind of gives maybe one high five. So, uh, you know, we were really saying that uh, oh, she really celebrated the last one. It was just an absolute classic goal um i suppose it's something that wouldn't be foreign on a, on a, a ladies football pitch as well it was just absolutely class and um you know she was a woman on a mission that day and um i suppose maybe hadn't um been getting the eye in score uh, goal wise you know up to then and uh you know she really put down a marker for the rest of the season scoring four goals in one game we move on to number six and it comes from Sinead goldrick from the melbourne football club it comes from the game in round seven against the crows and this tackle again it's just outstanding the way that she was able to stop this Adelaide player dead in her tracks, really, and it probably helped you know Melbourne win the game and go on for that for that run that got them into back into the finals and um, a great back half of the season from Melbourne and this uh, as tackles go was just an outstanding effort and to put your body on the line like that when a 
players charging down at you, it is never easy. And she stood her ground and affected a great tackle. Yeah, and, and Chloe Shears, a, like she's a strong physical girl and, and Goldie, you know, probably wouldn't have the same stature as her, but, you know, her tackle technique was absolutely outstanding and, uh, as I said, really put the body in line and she did that time and time again for Melbourne. Uh, so coming in at number five is a, a joint effort from the Kellys. Um, you know, Neve Kelly with an outstanding run, super handball into Grace, you know, something that they probably done time and time again with Mayo and with their club. Um, gave a perfect handball and and then you know um, the shepherd and um, the shepherd was absolutely vital for for Grace and uh, you know put her in a perfect position gave her that split second just to steady herself and uh, a super super goal from Grace um, I think it, it meant I think Grace actually had two goals um, at the very end of that game something like nine touches for a forward which was which was super and uh, Neve I suppose doing the unselfish selfish play um, which we've seen you know in so many games by Neve um, I think she had thirteen touches and and five tackles in that game but you know real selfless play from Neve and super skill from Grace Sure Breed and I think the key in that one was the shepherd something that really w- wouldn't be natural to the Irish players and for her to do that seemingly so instinctively in that situation was amazing because that's the, nearly the hardest part of the game to coach and we saw super speed and courage from Neve throughout the season and even coming back from that horrendous finger injury she had so absolutely great uh, season from Neve and both the Kellys Okay, so we're moving on to number four. And speaking of linking up, we've got another brilliant link-up goal here. Sarah Rose goal for Collingwood in round two versus Geelong Cats. Absolutely textbook centre clearance. Brianna Davies straight out of the centre bounce, kicks it in. Ash Sheridan gathers, handball straight to Sarah Rowe, who kicks a brilliant goal off her left. We chatted to Ash on the podcast a few weeks back, and she said she immediately heard Roy calling her, these girls are so used to each other. She knew exactly where she was. She gave the handball, brilliant goal, and that's how you do it. Bang, straight out of the centre goal. From a coaching perspective, it's as, it's as good as it gets. A quick goal at, from a, from a centre clearance is as, it's you can't draw it up better than that. So moving on to number three, and it was a scorer once again, this time taking on two St Kilda players in terrible conditions. Uh, to initially halve that contest and get it on the ground and running back towards goal, you know, she fought off the Saints defenders, kept the ball under control, all while sprinting inside towards the forward fifth or towards the goal face. And to have the, the the presence of mind to just soccer it through perfectly was just an outstanding individual individual achievement. And Brit, I'll throw back yeah. to you as the as the core expert. What did you make of this one? Uh, like I suppose what maybe mightn't have been, you know, very clear. Um, on the day was the the wind. The wind was absolutely cruel that day. Um, the wet conditions obviously made it, um, you know, like a bar of soap. But the wind was really, really strong, and there was no goal up that side of the ground. Like the, you know, the kicks that were going in were nearly, you know, being held, held in the held in the wind. So, you know, I suppose for Cora, like you said, to have the presence of mind to to keep soccering it, keep soccering it, and use her skill, use her strength, uh, and just, um, I suppose, um, follow it in was just. It's just classic Cora, um, I suppose, always thinking. And, uh, you know, she's such a natural forward. Um, but the win that day, she was she was bang on on, on soccering it the whole way. So fair play to her. I suppose then coming in at number two, we actually have just a woman who, you know, really lit up the, the scoreboards here um, for Collingwood, I think, this year. Um, as Sheridan comes in at number two, uh, with not only just, not only one, but for, for two scores. And I suppose they were probably very similar. Um, 
but it just shows, you know, I suppose her consistency throughout the year. Um, it definitely shows her consistency in this game against the Tigers. She set them up with the very first goal, an absolute peach of a goal. Um, you know, she's, she's such a powerful kicker. Um, you know, we, we've seen her time and time again um, do it and no more so than in this game versus the Tigers. An outstanding first effort and her second, which was nearly a carbon copy of the first. Um, you know, as I said, her consistency, her ability to back herself and she was playing with such confidence this year. It was brilliant to see. Awesome from um, Ash Sheridan. As you said, Breed, a real threat for Collingwood up front. Eight goals from the season. Time and time again, she did the same thing, but it was her work as well in terms of tackle pressure that was outstanding throughout the year. So um, great to see her goals there in the highlight reel coming in at number two. Now, it's coming up to the big one at number one, and this one was a hands-down winner for me anyway. Um, Aileen Gilroy's bump on um, McLeod against the Bulldogs absolutely phenomenal you could watch this all day long amazing skill perfectly executed hip and shoulder running at speed from a distance after a turnover put the kangaroos on the back foot any margin of error there and it's a goal for the bulldogs the commenter said nobody's going to catch the speedster mcleod he didn't count on alien gilroy coming in <laughs> and it is brilliant and i think i'm going to watch that highlight on repeat until Stacky and the girls are all back playing next season for sure. That's going to keep us get us through the close season. That's great, Mike. And Bryn, thanks so much for helping us out with this. It's been a pleasure having you and, and having your insight. It's been awesome and, and good no luck for it. It was, the, it was lovely to, to it was lovely to to recap on all those uh, wonderful moments um from the Irish girls. And as I said, they were they were real ambassadors for for um for Ireland out here and and really put on a show uh, when they needed to. And that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Irish Down Under. Make sure to follow us on social media at AFL Europe to ensure you do not miss out on the release of our top 10 highlights video. And if you're enjoying the AFL Europe podcast, why not press subscribe via the platform you're listening through. Thanks and see you next time.